If you have your Bible, would you turn to Genesis chapter 16? Genesis chapter 16, and we begin reading at verse 1, and we read in the name of Jesus. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife, as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power to do her what is good in, to do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. And she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Beren. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old. When Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for the privilege this day to worship you and the privilege to open our Bibles and allow you to teach us and to speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would guide us into your truth. We believe that your word is everlasting truth. I pray that the words of my mouth, Lord, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Warren Wearsby tells about a time in the 60s when he and his wife were on a brief vacation. And as they were beginning to drive home, his wife said, let's take this side road. It looks interesting. Wearsby writes, interesting. It turned out to be one of the worst 
rural roads we had ever encountered, including some that they had seen on mission fields overseas. He says there were no potholes, they were all craters. And while my car was raising dust, he says, my impatience was raising my temper. As we carefully rounded a curve, we concluded that few people ever took this route. For there in front of us were two turtles, leisurely taking a walk in one of the two ruts that kept us on the road. He says, when we finally reached a paved road, I thought of the statement that Vance Habner often made. The detour is always worse than the main road. In Genesis chapter 16, Abram and Sarai took a spiritual detour in their walk of faith. Instead of waiting upon the Lord to fulfill the promise that He had made to them, they took matters into their own hands, and they learned the hard way, as we have probably learned as well, that there are dangers to spiritual detours. Notice, first of all, that spiritual detours can look so appealing. When you're driving in a car and you see a sign that says detour, what goes through your mind? I can tell you what I think. It's, it's like, oh, oh, great. Just, just, just what I wanted. I'm on a mission, you know. Men are on a mission. They want to get from one place to the next. They don't want any sidetrack. I'm on a mission. I see detour. Oh, wonderful. Great. Detours on the road never look inviting, but Satan has a way of making spiritual detours look appealing. They can even appear at some times to make sense if we are looking at it from our own fleshly experience. And we see that here with Sarai and Abram. God had promised that, they would, that He would make of them a great nation, but it looked like nothing was going to happen. He had been in the land now about ten years. Ten years had gone by since the promise had been given. And Sarai was getting a little impatient with God. And perhaps she was thinking that God was waiting for something that they would do and then God would, would act. Maybe God would do His part if they did their part. After all, the Bible does say that God helps those who help themselves, right? Isn't that found somewhere in the Bible? No, I guess it's not found in the Bible. But you hear that, don't you? God helps those who help themselves. And so they're thinking maybe God needs a little help in this situation. Ten years have gone by, no baby. We've got to do something to make this happen. Well, at this point, God had made it clear that the fulfillment of His promise would be through Abraham, that Abraham would be the father of a son. He had told him that in chapter 15, verse 4. Last week we saw how Abraham was wondering about this. He said, is, is the heir of my house going to be Eliezer of Damascus? And the Lord said, no. He said, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He will be your heir. 
And certainly the most logical way that this would happen would be with his wife, Sarai, but she was unable to have children. And the Lord had not yet revealed that she would be the one to bear Abram's son. So you wonder if Sarai started to think here, maybe God has another plan. Maybe God wanted Abraham to have a son in another way, through another woman. And so Sarah presents this scenario to Abram. She says in verse 2, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. But here's the solution. Remember Hagar? Remember the one that, that we got in Egypt when we were down there? We brought her back here. And maybe she's the answer. Abram, you can have a son through Hagar. And Abram said, okay. And she conceives. And then the problems start. Now what Sarah and Abram did here was obviously a major spiritual detour. This was never the plan of God, but in the culture of that day, this seemed to be somewhat normal. Our Kent Hughes says, well, we are scandalized by Sarah's polygamous solution. It was perfectly logical and acceptable in the culture from which she had come, as well as in the culture that surrounded her. It had been so for a thousand years from Babylon to Egypt. Clearly, Sarah's polygamous solution was conventional and proper in the eyes of everyone but God, whose will had been expressed at creation. So that's the way it was where she came from. That's the way it worked where she was now. And she started thinking, well, ten years have gone by. No baby. Something's got to be done. Here, Abram, here, Hagar is the solution to our problem. If you look at what they did, you see a striking parallel to what Adam and Eve did. Abraham listened to his wife, verse 2, just as Adam listened to his wife. Sarah took Hagar, verse 3, just as Eve took the fruit in Genesis 3. Sarah gave Hagar to her husband, verse 3, just as Eve gave the fruit to hers. And Sarai was deceived by the devil just as Eve had been deceived. So based on the culture of the day and the deception of the devil, it just seemed to make sense. It just looked appealing. It looked like this was the answer. And so Sarai offers Hagar as the solution. We don't fall for sin because it looks horrible. That's not the way it works. We fall for temptation because it looks appealing. It looks like it makes sense. looks like it's the answer. And that's what we see here with Abram. Spiritual detours can look appealing. The second lesson we learn is that spiritual detours can lead to much trouble. 
When Sarai offered Hagar to Abram so they could have a child, she thought that Hagar was the solution. But when Hagar conceived, she became the problem in Sarai's eyes. Verse 4 says that she was despised by her mistress. And, and Sarai said to Abram in verse 5, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord, Lord judge between you and me. It's obvious that this brought some very deep problems into their relationships. Certainly there were problems between Sarah and Hagar, and so deep were these problems that their relationship would never be the same. Hagar eventually ended up leaving. But that's just the beginning of trouble because you see then this issue between Sarah and Abraham. And even though she was the one who had offered Hagar to Abram, then when Hagar conceives, then she blames Abraham. She says, may the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your hands, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. And I'm not sure what was going through Abram's mind at this time, but I can imagine. He's probably thinking, this was not my idea. This was your idea. You are the one that brought Hagar to me. You are the one that said, here's the solution. I went along with it, and now you're blaming me. Well, he should have been blamed too, shouldn't he have, as a leader of his home? But here's the blame game going on. And then we see Abraham responding to Hagar's needs in a very poor way. Instead of making sure that she was being cared for, he abdicates his leadership in the home. And he basically tells Sarah in verse 6, you, you just do whatever you want then. Fine. He just kind of walks away from it, you know, rubs his hand. This, this, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. So just treat Hagar in whatever way you want. Not concerned about her. And that isn't the end of the trouble, because if you re- look down in verses 10 through 12, you will notice that the problems that we see even in the world today can be traced back here. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, Further behold, you are with child. You will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. And notice the description given of Ishmael. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. Ever wondered why there's so many problems in the Middle East today? Ever wonder why there's such hatred between the Arabs and the Jews? It really goes back here. It goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 16, where Ishmael would be like a wild donkey of a man. And there has been problems ever since. 
And sometimes you hear of political leaders thinking they are going to solve the problems in the Middle East. Who are they kidding? There are very deep, bitter roots to this. And it all happened because Abram and Sarai didn't trust God. They took a spiritual detour. They're going to do it their own way. They paid a price for it. We're seeing it even today. Now, if the trouble that we see here looks familiar, it's because it follows the pattern of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 when Abram listened to his wife and took what she offered. The results were strikingly similar. I mentioned already the blame game, just like Adam and Eve. Remember when God confronted them, blaming Satan and blaming Eve and Adam even blaming God, the woman you gave me. And so we see that same result here. That's when problems with relationships started. Adam and Eve would be at odds with one another. And and here we see it again in the relationship of Abram and Sarai. So Abram and Sarai and Hagar learned the hard way, the painful way, that sin always leads to trouble. When you choose not to follow God's way, in one way or another you pay a price. Sin pays wages, isn't it? And we've all experienced that in one way or another in our lives where it has led us down a road of, of heartache. I'm glad it doesn't end here. Because the third lesson we learn is that spiritual detours need not be permanent. In spite of the mess that Abram and Sarah had created, God was still at work in this situation. This is seen, first of all, in the life of of Hagar. Hagar had come from a pagan background in Egypt. And there's no indication that she knew the Lord personally when Ishmael was conceived. But while she was on her way back to Egypt, running away from Sarai's harsh treatment, notice how God met her in a significant way. Look at verse 7. She's running now from Sarah's harsh treatment. And the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they too will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. It's interesting to notice what Hagar said to God in response to his word. 
She didn't say anything about her son. She was not rejoicing in the fact that she was going to have a son. In fact, she didn't even mention Ishmael at all. Rather, she rejoiced in God himself. Verse 13, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. For she says, Have I even remained alive after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. This event made an impact on that woman's life. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who is aware of my situation. You know what I've gone through. I was taken from Egypt, brought into this home, and and gone through this difficult experience. And God came to her and said, Hagar, I see what you're going through. You are the God who sees. One commentator puts it this way. He says, Hagar realized that all her knowledge of God depended on his initiative in knowing her. When she felt as if God were absent, she learned that he was watching over her. She also obeyed God traveling all the way back to Abraham, and there she submitted to Sarah. The sense here is that she believed God and remained a child of grace. Now, I imagine it wasn't easy to go back to that situation, to go back to that home where Sarah was mistreating her and Difficult situation, but God used that trouble, God used that difficult situation to reveal to Hagar his mercy and his grace. And Abraham and Sarah also learned something here about God's mercy and grace in spite of what they had done. Taking that spiritual detour, taking matters into their own hands instead of trusting God, bringing about a mess in their lives. God did not abandon the promise He made to them. Note that. God did not abandon the promise that He made to them. Their spiritual detour was not permanent. That's what Satan wants you to think. When you mess up and you take matters into your own hands, when you go off the pathway that God wants you to walk on, Satan wants you to think there's no way you can be restored. You ain't going to be forgiven for this. But God did not abandon His promise to them. In the chapters that follow our text, we see that God continued to encourage them. He continued to reveal His promise to them. Encourage them to trust Him. And and Paul says then in Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, that they grew strong in faith. Notice that they grew strong in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God 
had promised, He was able also to perform. If I would have been God, I think I would have probably been pretty impatient with Abram and Sarah. Because their journey was not one like this. It was kind of, there were setbacks. There were times when they took spiritual detours. And, you know, we read through this and we say, oh God, you are very merciful. You didn't, you didn't abandon them. God, you kept your promise. And they grew. There were consequences. There were difficulties that came into their lives because of the detours they took. But God did not cast them off. His promise was sure and steadfast. So I want to ask you this morning, have you taken a spiritual detour in your life? Something that looked to make so much sense, something that looked to be so good, but it, it's resulted in trouble. Have you wondered if you will ever be able to get back on the right road? If God will ever accept you? If God will ever restore you again? Spiritual detours need not be permanent. You can get back on the right road because God promises to forgive those who repent of their sin. Those of you who are parents, what do you do when your little child comes to you and says, Mommy, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Daddy, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? What are you going to tell them? No. You've done it too many times. No more. You wrap them in your arms and you say, Yes, I forgive you. I love you. (laughs) When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Standing with open arms, ready to receive us as we come to Him in confession of our sin. Remember hearing the story of a young man who had grown up in a Christian home. Mom and dad that loved the Lord and he got involved in drugs and alcohol and he ran away from home and had spent years. No connection, no contact with mom and dad. Kind of like the prodigal son that was read about this morning. He, he realized how good he had it at home and how difficult life had become. And he came to his senses And so he sent a letter home and he said, I made a mess of my life. And if you never want me to come home, he said, I understand. He said, I'll be taking the train into town. And if I can come home, put a white sheet out on the clothesline. And if I see the white sheet on the clothesline, I'll get off at the train station. But if I'm not welcome home, he said, I'll just keep, I'll just keep going. Well, mom and dad got that letter. They went in the dressers and found every sheet they could. They stripped the beds. And when he came around the corner in that train and he looked and was wondering, what, what, what's, what's he going to find in the yard? Would there be a sheet hanging there? The line was full of sheets. As if to say what? Son, you are, you are welcome. And that's the, that's the gospel there, isn't it? We are welcome to come back to him.
There have been times in all of our lives when we've taken a spiritual detour. And there probably will be times in the future too where that may come. But God does not abandon His promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins. And He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Spiritual detours may look appealing, but they lead to trouble. But they need not be permanent. Because we have a gracious God who will welcome us home. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. And thank you, Lord, for what we see in this text of Scripture where Abram and Sarah took matters into their own hands. And they experienced some painful consequences as a result, but you did not abandon them. You continued to work in their lives, and they grew strong in faith, giving glory to you, O God, because they believed that what you had promised, you were also able to perform. So thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence, confessing our sin and knowing that you are gracious, that you will forgive us, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, if I, I pray if there's someone here this morning who has been drifting from you, someone who needs to come back, Lord, and say, Father, I've sinned in your sight. No longer worthy to be called your son. Lord, thank you for the welcome that you give to sinners who come home. Lord Jesus, your love is so great. We praise you for that. And we pray in your name. Amen.